Good evening. This is Shireen Rice with Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. My goal for this show is to educate and to help in the healing journey for those that are suffering from domestic violence. Before I introduce my guests, I want to do a shout out to Becky Taylor and Lori Stanley in Coldsville, Utah. Thank you for listening and I love you ladies. And thank you for all you do to make a difference about domestic violence. If you're listening tonight and would like to get in touch with me, um, I have an email address, ShireenCWR at gmail.com. I would love to converse. Um, I want to thank everyone who is listening tonight, and this will be a great show. My guest tonight is Tiffany Fletcher. She'll be talking to us about DID, formerly known as Multiple Personality Disorder. And she'll also be talking about the abuse and healing. i got to tell you, I'm very excited about this. Tiffany Fletcher is an author of Mother Had a Secret and a second book of The Trouble with Charity. She is a second oldest of six children born to a mother diagnosed with DID. She has a BA in English and communication. She is a contributing author to FamilyShare.com. Music has been an essential part of of Tiffany's life as well. She comes to us tonight from Eagle Mountain. And so I will be introducing Tiffany. Tiffany, are you on? I am. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Hey, I just introduced everything about you, and uh, you're wonderful. <laughs> so I'm going to just start with <laughs> answering, asking the questions. Um, I love um, – I, I don't know much about a DID or divided uh, – Divided, what is it? It's divided individual? Dissociative. Dissociative Dis- identity disorder. Oh, that's right. Disso- dissociative identity disorder. <laughs> Don't worry. I've been practicing that one all day. Yep. I still got it wrong. It's all right. Uh, also known as multiple <laughs> personality disorder. Um, and then you're going to talk about a little bit about the abuse, abuse and healing from that as well. And um, so uh, it's very, I know, very hard to maybe uh, encounter a person like this who probably don't even know who would have this, um, anything of that nature. Um, I'm very interested not only in your story, but how you found healing with this. So before you share your story, let's talk about, um, can you describe what multiple personality disorder entails or DID as well, or is what it's called, I guess. Um, sure. Um, so generally it's trauma-based. And uh, because it's trauma-based, what happens in that trauma is um, the person who is traumatized disassociates from reality and forms an altar. And that altar then um, is a part of their everyday life. Um, That altar, whenever there's triggers, that altar will come out, um, depending on what the triggers are, and um, will try to function um, in the host body as as if they were that host as if they were that person and that body belonged to them. So it's, it's unique. And um, my mom had 14 different altars um, in addition to her own, um, her own, and they all had names. They all had names. They all had um, generally with multiple personalities or the dissociative identity with the altars, they each have their um, separate function. They, when they came out, there was something that, that they each did. And that, and that's just, that, that was their role. That was their function. And, um, so learning growing up as you can imagine as a child um was it was a very unique experience because you never know what you were going to get. Yeah, and can you describe your mother's altars by chance? Do you like remember what what they were or you know? 
their their personalities. I can can describe some of them. Um, To be honest, when when we were young, we didn't call them by their names. There was only one altar. She had a violent altar. Um, His name was Bill, and he is the only one that we didn't call mom. Um, Because when he came out, he just, he was a bad guy. (laughs) And so... Um, he, he was very abusive, and so when he came out, we he didn't let us call him mom, and he made sure that we knew that he he was not our mother. He was Bill, um, but his his function really was protect. He thought that he was protecting my mom, and so um, whenever we would argue with her, or whenever there were triggers that came out, um, so my mom was sexually abused by my grandfather from the time she was three to the time she was eighteen. So for fifteen years, um, every day of her life, she was. She was abused um, and raped by my grandfather, by her own father. And so because of that, she had a lot of triggers that came um, throughout her life. And so when those triggers came, Bill would come out and he would um, he would say things like um, he would threaten to kill her. He would say, Vicki suffered enough and I don't want to see her suffer anymore. So he would threaten to kill her. She had a prescription drug overdose problem. And he, many times he would threaten to, to take the pills um, to, to take her out of this life and, and help her so she wasn't miserable anymore. Um, he would threaten to kill uh. us on a regular basis. And he would strangle us. He would, he took butcher uh. knives to us. And he, so he was, yeah, he wasn't, he was not a good guy, and so um, he's the one that we we didn't um, we didn't call him mom. And as I said, he called my mom by her name, Vicky, and whenever whenever she was he was out. Um, she had some. Her youngest alter was a three year old little boy named Sam, and um, and he um, when he came out, she would sit on the couch. We had a, a little puppy dog, a little dog, and she would pet him, and she would watch my brothers play, and. Um, since I'm the second oldest, I my older sister and I pretty much helped raise my siblings, the the younger ones, and so she would sit on the couch and she would pet the dog and watch and play. But she looked like she was just too like she wanted to play, but she was afraid to join in. Or she would um, huddle in the corner in the fetal position and rock back and forth, and um, she would um, yeah she would just really struggle um, in that aspect when she was that three year old little boy. Um, imagine a, an abuse an abused three-year-old and so she had all those characteristics we would have to help dress her we would have to help her to bed um help her you know I remember taking food out of her mouth that she was choking on like reaching in pulling food out that she was choking on helping her in the bathroom is that when she was a three-year-old or all Uh the time Uh no it's when she was the three-year-old altar when the three-year-old altar was there she she was very much. Um, she also had a seven-year-old little girl, um, and the seven-year-old little girl, she was um, very clingy, and she would say things like, you hate me, don't you, or why can't you love me, and, and you just, are you sick of me, and, you know, like, just like a seven-year-old a yeah. little girl would be rude, you know. Um, she had teenagers. She had a teenager who was not married, and when she was out um, as a teenager myself, we would go to the grocery store, and she would hit on the the bag boys at the grocery <laughs> store. Um, and I, I would say, you are married. And she's like, no, I'm not. And that, so, yeah, so that one was fun. She had one um, that because sexual intercourse um, intimacy was really hard for my mom because of her background, um, she disassociated from um, on her wedding night with my father. And so she had an altar that her, her responsibility was to just, please my dad in that way. So she taught us about the birds and the bees in a very 
scary way, especially because we're good Christian LDS families. <laughs> but she just, yeah. she, yeah, she full on told us about the birds and the bees. And she would walk, she would walk around in her lingerie at home when she was out. She had no, she was very. And my, I bet your mom was very conservative. Mother. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, she was super conservative. So, yeah, some of them, some of them were hard. Um, my favorite, her name was Julie, and she was the one that would take care of us when we were sick. Um, she would oh. stroke my hair and let me lay on her lap, and she would like her her prime responsibility was to care for the children, and she did. She, she, you know, she made me feel loved, and and I appreciate that. That oh, Heavenly that's Father great. was very merciful in giving my mom one of those altars. So yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's very touching, very, very touching. Um, so uh, I want to let everyone make sure that they know that this is not a genetic um, disorder. It's a a trauma-based disorder. And so your favorite um, altar was Julie. Was there any other um, altars that you found interesting? Because she had 14 of them, right? She did, yes. Now, Um, was your mother out a lot, or was the altars out more? Um, I think Honestly, I think the altars are out more. There's not very many memories that I have of my mom where I can honestly say that was my mom. Um, okay. And and I'm sure there was. I'm sure there were, but because the because my life was so um, trauma based a lot growing up, it's hard to remember those times. You know, yeah. I remember very vividly the other times, but it's I'm, yeah. I'm sure that that she was out, but I don't remember it as much. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, did you, like, ever take family trips and your mom would be out, or would it be the altar teenager hanging out with <laughs> yeah. you on the trips? <laughs> um, um, <laughs> uh, it, it depended. I remember taking a family vacation, and I um, I can't remember what altar was at. I think it was a three-year-old, and she, but she got up, and she was trying to make us sandwiches, and we were, we were um, while we were driving, she felt that it was important that she made sandwiches, and she was also because she had a prescription drug overdose, she was also, she had taken extra medication. So I remember we were in the middle of traffic in a large motorhome, and she's standing up trying to make, like, sandwiches. And all of a sudden, my dad turns a corner, and she falls, and she falls out the door. And my brother oh, no. had to grab her as we're turning in traffic and pull her back in and close the door and get her to sit down so that we don't have a death on our hands. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> so, we had experiences like that all the time. That's just one that I can think of. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, that's that was kind of horrible, but a little bit uh, funny at the same time, actually. But yeah, okay, when you when you look back at it, it's funny, but in the moment, yeah. not so much. At the moment, you're scared. <laughs> and you did you have two brothers or three? I had two brothers, two brothers and three sisters. Okay, so there is four girls and. And three brothers, uh, two brothers. What was the youngest age of you? What was the youngest Um, age of your brothers? Or of your siblings, yes. My youngest sister, she was 10 years younger than me. So my mom got diagnosed when I was 17. So my sister was seven when she was diagnosed. Okay. That doesn't mean that she didn't have it. She had it, but we just didn't know what to call it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And let me ask you this. Um, I, I know since the 70s, I don't know if anyone out there is at this age level, but uh, Sybil was real popular in the 70s. And, um, you know, we watched this 
story about Sybil and her personalities. He uh, was worked out with a psychiatrist and he was able to bring them all together and she was able mm-hmm. to be um, her again. Um, did that happen mm-hmm. with your mother? Did anyone try to bring all those altars together and make it just her? Um, no, unfortunately not. My mom, she stayed in a place called Benchmark here in Utah. She was there for a little while, but but what happened is my dad was a mechanic, and so he worked really hard as a mechanic. And back then, in the 80s, they didn't really um, – mental illness wasn't something that was talked about, and it certainly wasn't something that your insurance paid for. And right. so because of that, um, we didn't have the funds to put her in a facility that would help her with that. She did, through the LDS Church, she was able to get um, some counseling for the sexual abuse that she that she encountered, and she was actually – going through the process um, when she passed away. She passed away um, when she was 49. Um, she passed away of a prescription drug overdose. Oh, wow, that so, was young. Um, and do you think one of the altars yeah. had anything to do with that? I don't know. It's it's hard for me to say. I, I believe, so Bill, um, the most traumatic experience that I can remember, oh, well, there was a lot of them actually, but one of them that was, that was hard in the last, final one that I remember of him is um, when my older sister said that she was going to go on an LDS mission um, Bill came out and he snapped and he um, because my mom didn't want her to go and so he came out protecting my mom he got a butcher knife and he chased us around the house with the butcher knife and said that we weren't going anywhere and that if we um, that he would basically he would kill us if we tried Um, and uh, so so my dad was at work and it was just before Thanksgiving that this happened. And, um, so we, um, my dad, so my dad was coming home early from work because it was the day before Thanksgiving and, and, uh, we were able to wrestle the knife out of her hands, like my sister and I, and then we put my mom in a rock, in the rocking chair. We were able to like force her into the rocking chair and we tied her arms <laughs> to the rocking chair and her legs to the rocking chair with dish, kitchen dish towels. Because <laughs> it's all that we had, and we and and this and we is when she was Bill, Bill, right? She was still Bill. Yeah, this is when she was Bill. Yes, yes. And so she and 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 you have to understand, like when Bill came out, like I can't, I don't know how to. Her face was masculine. Her eyes were evil and piercing, and she like when I I had nightmares of my mom well into my adulthood life. And um, when I have night, when I had nightmares of those experiences, it was Bill's face that I saw. Um, Oh my God. It's it's different. So that's part of the trauma you endured too, was Bill is your trauma, right? Right, right, right. I don't, I don't um, think the three-year-old would be your trauma. Is that correct in saying that? Well, no, other than just the emotional trauma of like being the caretaker of your mom and, you right. know, the, the emotional abuse that comes with, um, you know, the seven-year-old, you hate right. me, you don't love me, you know, right. that kind of thing. So there's, yeah. there is a lot of that, but the physical abuse certainly came from Bill. So right, right. He was the violent one. And when she, when she, when he was out, she was stronger. Like, I, I can't, I don't know how to explain it. Other than fact, she was stronger. She could take one hand and she could put it around my throat and lift me up against the wall with my feet off the ground and, and try to strangle me. Like, 
she was just stronger. She was she was yeah. stronger when he came out. So, oh my gosh. I'm sorry, I forgot what well, the question was. <laughs> did I answer it? <laughs> no, yeah, you did. You did. And so that was um uh, so let's talk about your family dynamic in your home. What was that like uh, when different altars were out? What was your father like? How did he um, help or um, what, what, what was going on as far as the family dynamic in that, in that measure? So, so my father, um, by the time we got old enough to take care of ourselves, my father, he, he worked three jobs. He like he was gone. Um, he dropped us off at school, and we he dropped he took us early in the morning. So he dropped us off at school, and then he didn't get home until late at night, till nearly bedtime at night. So we rarely saw him. Um, a lot of that was because he had to work three jobs in order to deal with my mom's prescription drug problem to pay uh-huh. for things and just to keep things afloat. He had to keep, you know, making more money for that, and and he just uh, he kind of checked out and the thing is is that when I wrote my book I wrote about this part and I I asked my dad I interviewed all my family so I could make sure when I wrote the book memories were you know correlated yeah. with everyone else's memories and I asked my dad um there wait can you hear me the time we got old enough oh yeah okay yeah did you could you not hear me well I don't <laughs> there was a blank spot there for a moment but it's okay go ahead what did when you talk to your father. Okay. Yeah. So my, my father, are you okay? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I can hear you just fine. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So my father, I asked him, um, why, um, he didn't help us because he, like I said, he was gone. He he was gone, and it was left to us to just take care of things every day. And and he said, by the time we got old enough to take care of ourselves, that he was tired and he couldn't fight it, couldn't fight her anymore. And so he just kind of checked out a little bit, and that that was a hardship. And and I don't fault my dad at all. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be the spouse of someone who has you know, dissociative identity. And right. even um, my mom was very emotionally abusive um, to him right. a lot of times. Right. And she had, she had, an, when Bill came out, Bill was also abusive to him. He would wake up and he would have a black eye and uh, he would just say, Oh, mom accidentally hit me in the night. When in reality, he got a black eye because Bill came out and punched him. And so he, um, it, yeah, it was a difficult situation, but at the same time, like he he made he told me that he made my mom a promise when he married her that he would never let her hurt again, that he would protect uh-huh. her because of what happened to to her, and he made her a promise that he would take care of her for the rest of her How life sweet. and that he would not. And so, and I think a lot of that is the reason why he's like, okay, I'm taking care of her, I'm working, I'm doing all that I can. Um, and, and it was a struggle. It was a struggle. And I, I'm grateful that he, he did, that he took it out. And I know that sounds crazy and people think, you know, that's an abusive, difficult relationship and he should have got out and he, you know, was a bad dad or whatever. I've heard lots of the reviews on my book, (laughs) but my personal opinion is that, and I don't feel that I have any kind of like a, because you know, I don't think it's because I'm seeing things the wrong way. I honestly feel that he did the very best he could with what the situation he's, he was given. He made yeah, a promise I agree. and he, yeah. he kept, he, he kept his promise. Yeah. So, but that doesn't okay. mean that he didn't have moments. 
where he threatened divorce or, you know, things like that. Yeah. But, but yeah. Okay. Question. Um, when you went to school, who was left with the children at home? My mom. <laughs> so yes. My mom. And which mom and, would that but, be? Uh, my older sister. <laughs> Whichever one was out, <laughs> but my <laughs> older sister, <laughs> my older sister, she got, she was sick and, uh, she was a disease called pseudotumor cerebri. And she, during her high school years, she was at home on a homebound. And so she, she helped take care of the kids a lot. Um, while my mom was, was sick. And also my mom, it's funny, piggybacked off of her illness to, and took medication that was meant for her. So, yeah, it's interesting, interesting dynamic there. <laughs> but, but yeah, we, I remember walking home from school, and every time I heard an ambulance, I would, I would just pray that it wouldn't be going to my house. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, when I came home from school, I didn't go to friends' houses. I didn't play I didn't go out and do things. Um, when I was in high school, I joined a band, and um, I, be, I that was my out. I went, I, I went to band competitions, marching band competitions, and and band concerts, and that was my out. But other than that, I didn't do a lot of things with friends. I didn't date. I didn't leave the house because I felt a responsibility to be there. And I did go to school because I felt that it was expected of me and I didn't feel guilty going because I knew that it was the law. And so that was the yeah. one thing I didn't feel guilty going to everything else. I felt guilty leaving my family, my brothers and sisters with my mom. So I, I didn't go. I, I stayed home. Oh, excellent. Okay. Um, let me ask you about this since I don't know anything about DID, I'm going to ask you probably some questions you think might be a little, um, naive. I don't know. Um, can alters talk to each other? Um, no, generally not. There's one alter that's called a gatekeeper, at least in my mother's case. I don't know. I don't, haven't studied a lot of DID to be honest with you. Um, but there's, but there was this, there was one, who is the gatekeeper? Her name was Veronica. She could tell you everything about everyone else, but the others didn't seem to know that the other one existed. Bill, however, when Bill came out, he did know that he was separate, and he knew that my mom was separate because he said um, there was one uh, on that same episode in Thanksgiving. My dad came home, and my dad, <laughs> he's like, what are you doing to your mother? And we said, Dad, it's, it's Bill. And, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's a dad of Bill, and she, so he 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 immediately knew what that meant. And Bill yeah. started talking to him, and he said he said that he was taking Vicky out of this world, that that she was tired and she she wasn't going to fight anymore, and she was done, and that he was taking her out of this world. And uh, my dad said, um, "I want to talk to my wife." He said, "No, she's not coming out." And he said, "I want to talk to Vicky, or I'm not going to let you go." And so my mom's body went limp. And then she came up, and it was my mom's face. She's very tired and very worn out. And she said, "She," he said, Vicky, you have to fight this. And she said, I can't. And he said, Vicky, you have to fight it. She said, I'm tired, and I don't want to fight anymore. And then her body went limp. Bill came back, and he said, she's gone, and she won't be coming back. 
And my dad said, you want to make a bet? And he went into the bedroom. And as members of the LDS church, we believe in giving priesthood blessings. And he got consecrated oil and put it on her head. And he cast him out. And he blessed um, blessed my mother that, that she would be safe and that she would be able to fight. And um, when he did that, my mom's body went limp. And uh, she came back up again, and it was Veronica. And my dad asked if she was still there, um, if he was, if Bill was still there. And she said, no, he is gone. She said, well, she, she didn't say he was gone. She said that she can see him, but he is behind bars, and he can't get in anymore. And, oh, my gosh. Uh, How wonderful. Time, since that time, I, I, since that time um, we didn't have to deal with Bill again. And so when it comes to, like, her death, I'm not certain if it was really just a, like, she just had a drug problem and she took a lot of medication. She had Benadryl um, because she had a, she ate, my parents had just celebrated their 30th anniversary and she had ate some shellfish and she had an allergic reaction to it. So she took some Benadryl and the Benadryl reacted to the overdose that she had already taken. Um, I don't think it, it, the coroner, diagnosed it with accidental overdose and and I'd like to believe that that's what it was I don't think I mean she she did have drug problems she she overdosed all the time just because it numbed her mind but um I don't think she did it on purpose right I don't think it was one of her well and that's pretty cool about Bill I, I like Veronica too she seems to be like you know the town gossip yeah, yeah. she told us, she would tell us, like, the three-year-old, Bill, the little boy Sam, she she would say that he, he, wear, he wore um, baggy sweatpants and a T-shirt. I think it was a green T-shirt. Um, and she even told us, which I think is interesting, I think it's fascinating how minds work. She told us that Sam was Bill's son and that Bill was abusive to him and abused him. Um. And she said that... She said that when Bill was gone, she said that all of the altars were going to care for, for him, for Sam, and take care of him. Uh, uh, so I think that I, – I find that interesting. I really do find it interesting. It's so sweet. How it works. Yeah. And, and then Julie yeah. is the caretaker anyway of the children, right? And so she was probably mm-hmm. the lead right. on that one. Right. <clears throat> okay. Right. So I have a, another question. Um, can – the altars communicate with the host, uh, or you know your mom. Um, the main personality. Bill, Bill seemed to. I I mean Bill talked like her like she was there, but I I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't know. I don't I don't. My mother refused to believe that she had multiple personalities for the longest time. She oh. refused to believe it. So. I would have to say no. I mean, they may be able to, but in my mother's case, I didn't ever see it happen. Um, and so it wasn't until, did, like, she, right before okay. she died. It wasn't right be, until right before she died that she even acknowledged that she had alters. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. So it was sometime in her 40s that she recognized that she had alters. And how did she right. recognize that? I'm sure she didn't talk to them, but um, would she just, like, have a time period where that was missing? Yeah, yeah. And that was the evidence that 
there, there was too much evidence because she would, we would tell her of things that happened and she would say, I don't remember that. And we'll say, that's because it wasn't you. It was one of your altars. And um, we would, things would happen and she would say, I don't remember that. And we would say, that's because it wasn't you. It was one of your altars. And oh, so good. there was just too much evidence that was stacking up against her for her to not believe that she had them because she would miss large periods of time where she would have no idea where she would wake up and she would have no idea where she was at. So right. that the evidence was, it was just stacked against her. She had to believe. Right. Wow. This is, uh, this is so interesting, Tiffany. I can't tell you. Okay. What are the transitions like for the host and for the family from one altar to the end, another? I know you said with Bill, she would go limp with all of them. Would she go limp mm-hmm. just before? Um, that one was the most, like, you could just see the change. It, a lot of times the transitions, like, I don't know how to explain it. She would just, one minute she would be one person and the next minute she wouldn't. And it, it would go from one to the other, like, depending on what trigger she had. And you, you wouldn't understand or know when I was younger I, I just thought that my mom, I thought that my mom was a liar because she would say something and then I would turn around and tell her that she said that and she would say, no, no, I didn't. And, um, or she would, she would say something and do something else or she would say that she liked something and then she would say she didn't like it. And like, I just thought it was such a contradiction and, yeah. and I don't really think, maybe because I was a kid and so it was harder to like understand what was really going on until I was 17 and then I was like oh I get it now I totally see it that makes sense and but I didn't really notice I didn't notice with Bill I I noticed every time he came I she was a different person a different face and her body went limp and he yeah he came in I think I I think that with the other ones it was just kind of a gradual thing you know and let me ask you this uh since she would just go from one altar to another, be, depending on what was uh, triggered, um, mm-hmm. when she did she go to church, and when she did, what would happen? Would she stay for all of her meetings? Would anybody leave her alone with a group of people like Relief so, Society? Um, <laughs> so my my book is called Mother Had a Secret because yeah. we really did not tell anybody. Um, my my sister told a young woman's leader once, my little sister, and she told her that she was making it up for attention, and so we never told anybody again until I was on my mission and I told my mission president. So for the longest time, like my mom, we were a super inactive family, like really, really inactive. Um, okay. We had home teachers that were really great that would come in once a month and home teach us. But beyond that, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember people coming in and helping. I remember my mom saying what happens in this house stays in this house. And she didn't really let a lot of people in. Um, our house was always a mess, always just, just really bad um, because my mom wasn't functioning. My dad wasn't there and we were kids and we tried the best that we could, but it, it didn't work out well. And um, so people, um, there were people that didn't, that told their kids they couldn't play with my brothers and sisters because of my mom's strange behavior. And there were people who um, felt sorry for her and they didn't understand. My mom was really great at um, 
elaborating story sometimes and maybe that's some of the alters maybe from their point of view that's really what life was like I don't know so yeah. people felt sorry for her a lot so um I I I know that um I would walk to church because it was a place where I could feel a spirit and I knew God loved me so I yeah. would walk to church I remember walking to church a lot and and feeling that spirit there my dad would stay home often to help my mom through whatever she's going through um but um, there are days where we went and everything was good and we were that Mormon family that everyone went on missions everyone did what they were supposed to they people just didn't know what was going on behind closed doors so right yeah well that that's amazing so there were times that you did go to church because I was wondering like um if you go to the the all female class, the Relief Society, and um, mm-hmm. and and Julie would come out or something, or you know that that's <laughs> all I was wondering. I wasn't sure, you know, yeah. and and since everything's trigger based, you know, anything could be a trigger, really, uh, depending right. on what your trauma is, actually. Right. Uh, okay. Yep. So you know what? Uh, let's move on a little bit. Um, do alters fight to ca- take control? Do you know? Um, would they? Would there be more than one trying to come out at a time? Do you know? I don't know. The only time I witnessed that is with Bill, when he wouldn't let my mom come out, and he was just kind of taking control. So you know what? I don't know because I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not an expert. I just know what I experienced. Yeah, um, I would mom, have to say mom, that they probably. They probably do just because Bill did, but I think that's probably the more aggressive ones that's going to come out. I think there were some that didn't care whether or not they came out. They were just there, and when there was a trigger or when they their function was needed, they came out. Like the one that came out, you know, that was for my dad. My mom had another one that uh, she dissociated. She um, made herself known and dissociated when my grandmother died because my mom um, had a very close relationship with my grandmother. My grandfather told her that she was the her whole purpose for living was to take care of my grandmother because my grandmother was sick and in a wheelchair. So my mom, her purpose was taking care of her. So when my grandma died, my mom lost her purpose and um, she dissociated. And the altar that came from that. Um, she was a baker because that, that's what she did with my grandma. She, they did professional oh. wedding cakes. And so yeah. all she did was bake. So so she would come out when baking needed to be done. So, or in the middle of the night, she would have, she would come out and my mom would be found in the kitchen baking. So yeah, they're, they're unique to the situation. I think, I think well, both cool. the only one that would fight to get out. So basically whatever needed to be done, an altar would take care of that. In your mother's mm-hmm. um, right. situation. I'm not saying that that's all right. uh, DID situations, but in your mother's situation. Right. Yeah, in my mom's situation, if there was something, a function that was specifically um, tied to that altar, that altar would take come out and take care of it. So when it was time to take care of the kids, that altar would come out. When it was time to do the baking, that altar would come out. When it was time, time for intimacy, that altar would come out, like just depending on what their function was. Wow. What a great dad that you had, really, that stood by his wife uh, despite all of this. He is. He's a very good man. It's got to have been hard. All right. Before we move on to um, 
healing, I'm going to take a public service announcement um, break for a second. Okay. 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 Be right back. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by feedthepig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back. And tonight we're talking to Tiffany Fletcher about DID, also known as multiple personality disorders, and how abuse occurs through that and also healing. I do want to remind everyone if they do feel a trigger uh, possibly coming on uh, to call 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-7997. And if you have any questions for my guests, please don't hesitate to call 917-889-8078. And we're back with Tiffany. Hey, Tiffany. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> hey, um, I do want to talk about healing now. Um, we talked about what your mom went through, which was traumatic for the entire family and the family dynamic and, and a lot about DID itself because, um, I, I know for myself, and I'm not sure about my, any of my listeners, but it is uh, very uh, unusual uh, to have this happen in a family. And uh, so for healing, what was the best method of healing for you? Um, for me, the <laughs> prayer. <laughs> prayer okay. was one of my um, best healing methods, just um, – talking to God, but a lot of times I did that through music. I played flute and piccolo growing up, and I also sing. And so I I remember, um, and, and I also, <laughs> I, if any of you have seen Pollyanna, the old Pollyanna. I do, um, I love it. She played the glad game. She played yeah. the glad game. And so that is that was a lot of my healing to, to get through the trauma and to get through the hard days. I would... I would play the glad game. I would, um, if my, my mom was chasing me, Bill was chasing me, um, I would go into my room. I would put my back against the door and, and wedge myself so she couldn't open it. And I would just say, just play the glad game. I would say, I'm glad that I made it. I'm glad that the kids are out playing with their friends and they're not out there with her. 
I am glad that my dad gets home in half an hour and he can help with this. I'm glad and I, I'm glad that I know God loves me. I'm glad that I have my own room and my safe my safe space and and um so I play the glad game. I would sing the the song from Annie. The sun will come out tomorrow. So you gotta yeah. hang on till tomorrow. <laughs> I would sing that often. <laughs> I would oh, sing, good. I would sing um I would sing um an LDS song, a primary song um, I'm trying to be like Jesus, and I would sing it, and it would remind me, um, instead of fighting back or um, being cruel to my mother, to to love her and to try to do what the Savior would do if he were there. And I think that song is probably, been, it was probably my lifeline growing up, and it really did help me to see things through eyes of love instead of eyes of anger and hate. So, yeah, so music and gratitude. <laughs> and prayer those are the things that got me through it yeah that's so beautiful and how about your siblings uh how are they um healing and do they use the same methods or different methods what what worked for them if it was anything at all maybe they not i don't know some of them do use music my brother um he writes his own music, um, plays the guitar, writes music. My my sister that's 10 years younger than me, my youngest sister, she sings and she writes some of her, some of her own songs. Um, they, a lot of it was prayer. A lot of it was pulling together as siblings and really um, being there for one another. We're all still very close to one another, even into our adult lives, because we went through a lot together and we yeah. had each other's back most of the time. We were still siblings and so we still fought, but, but we... We did try to um, to help one another through it, and there was um, there's residual effects from everything, you know. I yeah. growing up, I was a very angry child. I was very angry because of what was happening, mm. and so oftentimes um, I would take that out on my siblings too. And and I had to learn um, had to learn through through the spirit and through you know Heavenly Father the important part of of not being angry and not letting your circumstances define you. So. My sister, my older sister, she, when she did serve a mission, and, and I remember um, when she went on her mission, she served a mission, in LDS mission in Chicago by the Great Lakes, and she sent me a lighthouse. And um, she said, Tiffany, even though we had a difficult childhood, we can still be lighthouses for others. And so she, you know, she just challenged me to be that light and to let my light shine. And so really, um, that moment, I have really just taken that theme and that thought and run with it and tried very hard to be the lighthouse um, that my Heavenly Father would want me to be and to be a light for people so that they don't have to suffer alone in darkness because I think sometimes when you're in an abusive situation you think that you're all alone and you think that no one will understand and you 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 don't feel that there is anyone that would even care um and so I I wanted to be that light I wanted to shine that light and I wanted to help people know that they're not alone that they didn't have to suffer in silence and that they could break the cycles and that the abuse didn't have to continue in families so that's really um why I wrote the book. Wow, that's great. And how about your siblings? I am so excited that they all seem to turn to music, uh, or it seems uh, most of them turn to music, or did some have most any uh, other ways? Yep, most of them. Some of them, my, my sister just under me, um, she turned to humor. She um, was just such a cheerful, cheerful child, and she would just um, laugh. She would make us laugh. She would do silly things. Um, when things are really hard, she would she would find something to make us all laugh. 
um, because laughter was really her her remedy and her medicine to help yeah. her pull herself up and and those around us and and um, my sister just older than me she turned to her faith she she had a strong um, stalwart faith and she just trusted God and she she led us with that love and with that faith and and yeah she just really um, tried to bless our lives through her faith and so. Yeah, we all had different ways. A lot of us turned to music. A lot of us were in the band and um, the orchestra, the choir, um, and we just, um, yeah, we did what we could to, to just find the silver lining in the difficult storm that we faced. Yeah, that's awesome. And did you say that all of your siblings, including yourself, went on missions? Um, yeah, my younger sister, my, my two younger sisters did not, but my, out of Four out of six of us did. Oh, that's awesome. So you also pro- pretty much probably turned to God as well for your healing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yep, yep. He was uh, wow. definitely the um, – he was what kept us going. On the days where we didn't feel loved or we felt completely abandoned, we knew that God loved us. And um, it, I remember many nights. I'm crying in my room and feeling his arms just reach down from heaven and just give me that hug and say, it's okay. You're not alone. I'm here for you. Keep going. And um, I I know that he did that for my brothers and sisters too. Oh, that's wonderful. And then I loved how you said that victims of domestic violence sometimes think no one will understand. And you did talk about it was during a time period where people didn't understand and didn't believe you. And did your home teachers believe you at all or anything? Um, I don't ever remember. We didn't tell our home teachers. And I don't, my friends in high school didn't even know. After I wrote the book, I wrote the book several years after I graduated. And I had yeah. friends contact me and say, Tiffany, why didn't you tell us? We could have helped you through it. And I said, you don't understand. You did help me through it just by being my friend. And yeah. I was so afraid to tell people because I didn't want them to think I was crazy. And I didn't want them to, you know, take me away from my mom and my family. And so I, it, it was, it's an interesting dynamic when that happens you especially when the domestic violence comes from someone that you know doesn't mean it you know right like it's it's really hard because you've got that love-hate relationship like like I loved my mom and there are so many moments where she was just such um a tender loving mom especially when Julie was out and and then there's those moments where it was all awful and she would tell me that she hated me and she would you know thrash at me and and, and that was Bill, though, right? Me. Yeah, but that was Bill. But but it, it was all my mom, though. That's the yeah. that's the hard thing. Like, yes, it was Bill, but at the same time, it was still yeah, my your mom, mom's body. You know, and so yeah, so yeah. it's a hard to, thing to differentiate from. But yeah, interesting dynamics that brings. Yeah. So, do you think that Bill uh, was created? by your mom because of not only the trauma, but to protect her from any more trauma. Probably uh, if his, he was considered her protector. So I would imagine that that is, that is what happened. She also is interesting. She had two protectors. She had another one named John and John was a nice, he was a nice protector when he came out and he was more, he was kind and um, he was loving, but I think 
that uh, Bill just, I didn't see John very often. It was mostly Bill that would come out and just, you know, really oh, lay down so, the law. <laughs> yeah. So you, did you see John a lot or did he come out like once a week? I mean, what's often? I, I don't know. Of, <clears throat> um, not, he didn't come out very often. No, it wasn't, probably not even weekly, honestly. Bill was out a lot. The the altars that we dealt with most of the time were Bill, um, her seven-year-old altar, and her three-year-old altar. So those are the those are the, the three that we dealt with the most. And so Sam was a three-year-old. The seven-year-old um, altar, her name was also Vicky. So my mother's name is Vicky, um, spelled V-I-C-K-I-E. And um, the altar, the seven-year-old altar, her name was Vicky, but it was spelled V-I-C-K-Y. And so whenever she saw, um, whenever she saw, or V-I-C-K-I, actually, I think, yeah, V-I-C-K-I, because she actually had three Vickies, interestingly enough. She had three Vickies. And they were all had different spellings. And she would say, the seven-year-old altar, whenever she would see my mother's name, she would say, oh, I hate it when she, when she spells her name with an E. So she obviously knew that she, she could, she knew that she was there. That actually brought back that memory, yeah. So she obviously, to answer your quite earlier question, she she had a knowledge of her host because she would always talk to her in the third person and she would say, I hate it when she spells it with an E. And so, oh, how it, funny. Yeah, interesting dynamics. Yeah, but the, those are the three that we that we spent the most, that were out most of the time. And was that daily, each one of them were out? Um, yeah, I would say daily. And the reason why I asked that is because I remember uh, watching a, a show, a, a Phil Donahue show, I believe it was, and this lady would say, yeah, I had three personalities and I had to eat three times a day and so forth. You know, I guess <laughs> like Bill would be starving because Vicky ate and, um, you know, Julie would be starving because, yeah. you know, but um, so Interesting. what I was it like that? that? My mom. I don't remember it being like that, but I do know I do know that my mom um, had growing up. She had my grandfather used to tell her how fat she was, and she had very very oh. bad um, self esteem, and she had an eating disorder. And so she a lot of times she would eat and she would stuff, and then she would purge it, purge. and then um, yeah, her alters would too. So I think that they since they're all, I think they all felt that because she she didn't have very good eating habits. I, as far as I can remember, she would, um, she would do that. So, so yeah, and it's, I, I think situations are different. I think they are. How old was your mom when um, she started having um, DID that you may be aware of? I don't know. Maybe uh, her mom might've noticed it or your grandmother might've noticed it. Um, I was four when my grandma died, so I don't. I didn't really talk to her about it. I, okay. if she had a three-year-old alter, so so the way DID works, or at least this is what I understand, is that the first alter came out. The first alter is three years old because that's the first time she disassociated. Oh, Does that okay, make sense? gotcha. So yeah. when she was three, my grandfather um, raped her for the first time. That alter that she disassociated, and that alter was created. So that was the one that took all of the abuse, which is why they said that Bill, you know, abused him. Well, anytime she was abused, it was that alter that would take the abuse, that three-year-old child. And the family so, dynamic of your mother. Oh, so her, your grandfather was her father. Oh, I'm right. Yes. 
Her and your grandmother was yes. her mother. Right. Okay. And so did yes. your grandmother know anything about this going on at all? Um, my grandmother never said that she did in life, but um, I have a feeling that she knew. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how you could not know. Yeah. Every day I, I would, for 15 years. Yes. And how did you yeah. find out it was every day? Was it one of the altars that shared that with you? Um, my I was a journalism um, major in college or minor, and I um, had to write an interesting story. And so I chose my mom. <laughs> and I, I interviewed her, and I asked her very upfront, bold questions about DID, about her altars, about what she remembers, about the sexual abuse from my grandfather, about my grandmother. And so I, I'm grateful that I had that interview with her because a lot of it was the basis of my book. Uh, I got a lot of information before she died to be able yeah. to, to share that. But, but um, she told me, she told me that she remembers being out um, on the playground and watching all of the other little girls play on the playground and she would hide behind the bush and she would wonder if all of the other girls' daddies did the same thing to them that her daddy was doing to her. Uh. And that to me just breaks my heart. And you can see like why the relationship with my mom was so unique because I loved her and I felt so sorry for her. Like I felt um, just compassion for her what she went through but at, yeah and at the same time I also felt anger and hatred towards her because she was abusive and she was cruel and even though it was built I didn't know until I was 17 that she, she had multiple personalities I just thought my mom had very erratic behavior and mm-hmm. so I it, it's hard to have you know it was it was definitely a love-hate relationship and when I um when I went on my mission, I wasn't getting letters from home and I asked my mission president if I could call home and he said, Oh, it's just regular missionary jitters. You just forget yourself and go to work. And I said, no, I said, it's not, I I need to make sure that my mom's okay. And he said, well, is your mom sick? And I said, well, (laughs) and then then I felt I, it was the first time I felt safe. Like I felt safe that I could tell someone what was happening at home. And so I told him everything. I told him about the, the sexual abuse. I told him about Mm. the butcher knife. I told him about Mm. strangling. I told him about the dysfunction. I told him everything. And then after I told him all of these things, he was quiet and he sat back very contemplative, like, and I, and waited for some time. And uh, then he said, well, it sounds to me like your mother was your savior. And I just like about died because I thought, how did you hear what I said? What's your knife? Drug addiction? Like, yes, how can my mother, my savior? Like, in my head, I'm like, I do not get it. I'm sure I had like deer in the headlights, kind of like, what in the world are you saying? And yeah. um, he said, I said, and then I, I just said, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and he said, usually someone. Who I know, funny. I was like, so I could say, "What do you mean by that?" Yeah. I swallowed my my gulp, and he said, "Usually, <laughs> someone who is who is abused as much as your mother, general generally turns around and perpetuates the cycle." And he said, "Did are you have you ever been sexually abused?" And I said, "No." And he said, "That is because your mother built a bridge and she stopped it, 
she stopped it for you. And he said, I have no doubt that your childhood memories are hard, but they are nothing compared to what your mother experienced on a daily basis. Because she built a bridge and stopped the abuse. Your childhood was better than hers. And your children's childhood will be better than, than yours. And the cycle will heal. And, oh my um, that was really the first time that I saw my mom as a child of God and recognized that um, she was my savior, little S, in a way that she saved me from the abuse that she experienced in her own life. And, and because of that, even though I suffered from abuse at her hands, at Bill's hands, it it was nothing compared to what she suffered at her father's hands. And because the cycle started to heal, I got to be a bridge for my own children and my own children. I have five and I homeschool them and none of them have ever known abuse. They, they right. have no idea. Um, they see it, they see it, you know, on in other people or like on a show or something, but they have never experienced it in their own life. And um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that sacrifice that my mom made. And she internally took all of that so that I didn't have to. So um, in, in understanding and learning that, like it, it wasn't like I walked out of his office and I was like, okay, she, I forgive her. She, everything, I forgive everything. But it, that was the, that was the starting point And it helped me to heal because once you start looking at your abuser and recognizing that your abuser is walking a line because of the abuse that they took, because of the abuse that their, their, their abuser took, like my grandpa was abused by, by men that my, my grandmother, she was married to nine different men and um, they were abusive to my grandfather and I'm sure they were abused by people too and oh. you just look at the cycle that just goes back generations and these people who yeah. are who are abusing once you start recognizing and um and and learning their story you realize okay they what that doesn't make what they did okay but it makes it so that you can understand and have yeah. compassion for them and so yeah. it it kind of changes things once you start seeing things that way yeah so your grandfather then was badly abused and that's probably obvious um because most abusers all abusers have been abused at some point now my question to you is this when did did your father uh, understand before um they were married that she had these multiple personalities or did they even call it that or did he just think that she was troubled or yeah, he didn't know. He didn't know what it, we didn't know what it was called until um, she was diagnosed when I was 17. And then we were like, okay. oh, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're looking yeah. back and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now we now we know now that we know that's half the battle. Now we can fight it. Other Before that, we just yeah, we just thought that she was very troubled. She had been in um, in the hospital first on suicide watch on on several occasions. She had. um she had lots of different um, issues like health issues that she was always dealing with. She had, um, she, she had the drug addiction. I don't know when the drug addiction started. Um, um, but, um, in the, her, you know, that was an issue. I especially remember it when I was a teenager. I don't know if before I was a teenager, I, I don't have a lot, a ton of those memories. And, and I, and I, um, when I wrote my book, I asked my brothers and sisters to help me fill in and we all, you know, remembered reminisced and the things oh yeah I remember that oh yeah that's right I remember that but but 
I don't know if I've blocked it out or what, but, but I don't have a ton of them um, when I was really young. So, yeah. But I can remember oh. when I was a teenager. Yeah. Well, and, and probably that's probably your safety too. Your safety net was blocking that mm-hmm. out. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your book, Mother Had a Secret, Learning to Love My Mother and Multiple Personalities. Um, so I wrote that book um, because I felt that it was really important that I helped. Um, it, I wrote it after my mother died. And so her funeral is the backdrop. It was like the storyline of the book. And it has flashbacks just of what tra- my childhood was like and the lessons that I learned. Um, but I, I wrote it because I wanted people to understand that those people who suffer from mental illness, um, they have a story to tell. And yeah. um, once we understand them, then we stop judging them and we have compassion for them. And so I like love, trust and forgiveness is kind of the theme of the book. Like you love, love yourself, love God, love, love your family, um, trust, trust that God puts you in the situation because he knows you can handle it and he's going to help you and, and be there any way you can trust yourself and, and trust other people, find people that um, you can trust to, to share those things with and um, don't walk them alone. Don't suffer in silence. And um, then forgiveness, forgive yourself, forgive God for putting you in that circumstance and forgive your abuser because in reality, we are all trying our very best. And um, sometimes we're given really crappy hands to deal with and that um, makes for a really hard life. So, and, and I'm not saying that you should, you know, live with an abuser. I'm not in any way saying that, but I am saying that, you can't hold that hate and that animosity and that anger towards them because it's not doing anything to them, but it's eating you alive. Right. And you have to, you have to let go and you have to be okay. Um, and recognize that, that um, you are not a victim, you're a survivor. And there is a right. big difference because right. victims allow their circumstances define, to define them where survivors use them as stepping stones to get to someplace better. And um, I think that that's so important that you, you see yourself as a, as a survivor and use it as a stepping stone to get to someplace better. Yeah. And your book was probably very healing for you. Was it healing for your brothers and sisters as well? Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it, it was. It was very healing. I, I remember there were times when I was writing it, my husband would come in and be like, you need to put that away. Because it was just <laughs> so much emotion, so much overwhelm. He's like, put it away and come come to the family and then you can go back to, you know, tomorrow. And, and I think for my brothers and sisters, I think it, it was good. The really healing part, I think, for it was us being able to talk about it because we just didn't talk about it. It wasn't right. something that we talked about it. We just swept it under the rug and we pretended it didn't happen. And um, the book freed us and allowed us to talk about it. And I think that's the greatest healing that could have come from it is, is making it, putting it wide open and now like forcing us in a way to talk about it. And I think that yeah. that um, has made a, a big difference um, in our lives, just being able to talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, you, you did make a good comment. Um, domestic violence is shoved under the carpet a lot. And uh, this is just one more method of domestic violence and the outcomes of domestic violence is DID as well. 
Yes. I do have another yes. question, though. Um, when you wrote, after you wrote your book and everything was out in the open and um, et cetera, did anyone from your dad's church or the one that you grew up in, did anyone say, hey, I'm sorry, I wish I would have known, besides your friends, I mean older people? Yes. Like the one there who didn't trust your – oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I don't even – I, I don't even know that one that didn't trust her. She she was only there for a short time and she moved. So oh, okay. I don't know what I don't even know where she's at. But there were there were people who just said, you know, I'm sorry. We would have helped if you would have said something. And and I just said, you know, it's hard to say something. <laughs> you know, it it's hard. It, it is a hard thing. And and there were people that that came out and just you know told us that they loved us and told us that they were sorry for for what had happened. My dad. Actually, when the book came out, my dad, no one was living, my dad wasn't living in the same place anymore. He had remarried okay. um, my stepmom. And so so I didn't really have a ton of contact. I did have friends on Facebook who, you know, from that ward, and they, they did reach out and with, were just very kind and very gracious. The only thing, the funny thing is, is that some of my, some of my family members, my extended family members struggled with the book because they, they wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe that, uh, that my that it happened and I and I just told them I said I said you go to Heavenly Father and say a prayer and ask Heavenly Father if it's true and if yeah. it's not if you get it if, if he tells you it's not then we can talk but if you ask him if it's true with a sincere heart I know that without a doubt he will tell you that it is true yeah and yeah. so and so they did they they did and they came back and they just said we are so sorry we're so sorry, and we're sorry that we didn't help you. So, or help yeah, it's very, it, yeah, it's very interesting situation. Okay, she had but siblings, is that correct? I'm sorry. She had one. Um, she had one adopted sister. So oh. she was an only child um, until she was, I think, ten, maybe, or maybe a little bit older, and uh, they adopted. Um, she, they actually adopted my mom's cousin. So she was, um, yeah, she was and also abused by my grandfather. Oh, was she? Yes, they both were. My And they both turned to drugs. My mom turned um, to um, prescription. prescription drugs. My my aunt turned to street drugs. And so she spent, has spent a lot of time in, in prison and has struggled a lot because of the experiences that she went through. But she's a good lady, and uh, yeah. and I love her. So, oh, that's yeah. that's very difficult. I'm so sorry. Can you tell us a little bit about your other book? Does that have anything uh, to do with the um, oh, my trouble with charity book? Yeah, it doesn't, but it has to do. It's a it's a children's book. It's a children's chapter book about this little girl named Charity, and I wrote it for my girls. I have three young girls, um, so it's like eight to ten, eight to twelve year olds, and um, I wrote it. And it, the theme, the, the underlying theme is bullying, is how to, um, what bullying is and how we can overcome it. And oh, good. Yeah, it's just a history, a chapter book about, yeah, that the theme is, is about bullying. And it's called The Trouble with Charity. And both of your books are yep. found, uh, can you find them on Amazon um, by chance? On Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're, not, they're on Amazon. Yeah, the, um, the Kindle the mother had a secret has a Kindle edition and uh, it's on the desert. It's, you can read it for free on the desert books app, bookshelf app. <laughs> oh, um, can you? you can. Yep. 
and you can um, there's an audio version as well that you can purchase or listen to so yeah that one is available through desert book or amazon and then the trouble charity is is just on amazon okay i want to thank you so much for for sharing this um, type of abuse that none of us would ever actually even consider and i'm glad you brought it to our um well i guess it derives from sexual abuse but in fact is a different type of abuse um I'm writing my PhD on on domestic abuse, and I think I might add this one <laughs> to the list because oh. <laughs> uh, I've never I've never heard I, I never knew anything about this. I didn't I let, remember when I asked you, is this genetic? Does anybody else in your family have it? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how naive <laughs> yeah. I am. <laughs> and um, yeah, I never even uh, I I. I've always been interested in the topic, but I never understood the topic at all. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you would see things like, I don't know if you ever saw this. It was Three Faces of Eve. I think it was with Betty Davis in mm-hmm. the 30s. There was Sybil in the 70s. Yeah. I think that was Sally Field, if I remember correctly. And, you know, people mm-hmm. were trying to bring it forward and explaining um, what had transpired, but... Mm-hmm. It's almost like people wanted to ignore that it existed. You're right. They swept it under the yeah. carpet. Yeah. And and yeah. I'm so sorry for what you've been through. Oh, you know what? It's it's our it's what defines us, right? It's what makes us right. who we are. And all of our experiences are for sure. And I think it's absolutely awesome. And I bet your um, brothers and sisters have a very healthy, uh, non-abusive relationship with their spouses and children as well. Is that a correct assumption? My, I have a couple of sisters who um, started out with some men that were abusive, but they are now both in very good relationships now. So, good. so yeah, we all... We all have that. Heavenly Father has been very gracious to us in allowing us to receive that blessing in our lives. Yeah, that's wonderful. Okay, anyway, I want to just thank you so much for taking the time. You actually filled in at the last minute for uh, a cancellation that I had. And I'm going to tell you, it's such a great blessing. I have to say that I think the Lord had a lot to do with this because I think this is something that my listeners and a lot of people would like to hear about or to understand or to grasp. And I think you did an excellent mm-hmm. job explaining all of it and describing the altars and a little bit about each one and what they were for. And I, I just, I just want to thank you. It was just absolutely amazing. You did a great job. Well, girlfriend. thank you so much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. So thank you. I, you know, I really, I, I've just lately, I've been feeling really strongly that I need to go out and I need to start sharing this and like, you know, just speaking events and just talking to people about it and how to overcome that difficulty. So I feel like it was a godsend too. I feel like Kelly Father's like, here you go. Let's start. Yeah. So and, thank you. Um, I want you to definitely uh, consider teaching at, um, teaching about this at our domestic violence conference in Southern Utah next year. Yes, I would be so happy to. I would really be yeah. happy to. That'd be absolutely wonderful. You are amazing, and thank you so much. And um, yeah. I'm going to say goodnight to everybody. <laughs> thank you right. so thank much, you. Stephanie. You're amazing. And mm-hmm. goodnight, everybody. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. Bye-bye.